Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. Well, in case you haven't quite woken up yet this morning, let me start by motivating you with a very short motivational clip from the internet. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow, so just do it! Make your dreams come true! Just do it! Some people dream of success while you're gonna wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible! You should get to the point where anyone else would quit and you're not gonna stop there! No! What are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. I think that's the end. <laughs> was it, it was all out of whack on my... Uh, yeah. Um, that's a... Uh, a little one-minute video from Shia LeBeau. I think that's how you say his name, isn't it? A uh, famous sort of Hollywood actor. And I think it's actually supposed to be a little bit of a um, parody on all the different motivational videos you see out there where he just yells at you to just do it um, and uh, tells you that tomorrow's dreams uh, uh, need to be today's reality and yells at you a little bit more. Uh, and... Though I think it's a parody, uh, I think it does actually show us something, doesn't it, of uh, all that we see in our... um, all that we see when we have uh, uh, these motivational videos in front of us. So much of what we are told in our culture... Uh, is that we need to simply focus on ourselves, find our inner strength, uh, put yourself at the centre of your life and be happy and motivated and successful. And as we saw last week, this self-focus, this internal motivation is the source of much of our uh, society's way of living a new and better life. In fact, uh, just last night, I read an article in the Herald Sun uh, about celebrity chef Pete Evans. You might know him from My Kitchen Rules. Uh, he uh, is the, 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 one of the two judges that judges everyone's food. He's the one that isn't French. Uh, and uh, this article said this, Pete Evans says the person he admires most is himself. And more people should just... Uh, and more people should just start speaking the truth like him. And on it went about how Pete Evans has found <laughs> himself and all that he needs uh, within. And 
I don't think many of us, and even many in our society, might balk at uh, such blatant kind of uh, self-promotion that, uh, the, that, the, that you admire yourself the most. But of course, really, I think that Pete Evans article is actually a window into really what we're told, that if you want to succeed, if you want to have success, that you just need to believe in yourself, trust yourself, you're all that you need. Well, last week, we looked at Paul's life from 2 Corinthians 4, and particularly verses 16 to 18 of that chapter, and we saw that the road there to life transformation is actually nothing like what we hear, particularly at this time of year. It's actually to take the focus from ourselves and to focus on things eternal. So Paul said in verse 18 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And we know that Paul's focus was firmly on the Lord Jesus, on what Jesus had done for him in the past, in his death and resurrection, on what Jesus was continuing to do in his life, in the here and now, in growing his church and sustaining not only Paul, but the rest of uh, the church. And that he had a focus on the continuing work of Jesus forever, his eternal work that he would bring all who trust in him into his perfect eternity for all time. A total change of focus from the here and now and the me and uh, myself to the him, to Jesus and eternity, from us to God. Whatever is going on in our lives when we change our perspective is transformed when we focus on Jesus And in fact, a few uh, verses later in chapter 5, verse 17, Paul actually writes about how this transformation occurs with this change of focus. He says in chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. When we focus on ourselves, uh, sorry, when we focus on Jesus instead of ourselves, not only does our perspective change, but God actually makes us new. When we put our faith and trust in him, we're transformed. We're a new creation. So we need to change focus. And today we come to the second uh, uh, aspect of this new life in Christ, which is a change in motivation. We have a new motivation or a new reason for living when we follow the Lord Jesus. With the shifted focus from ourselves to Jesus, the motivation changes. I know uh, many times we're told that the reason that we need to get fit or get healthy or be better at your job or work harder or read more or whatever your goals might be, these are, we're told the motivations are so you'll be happier, so that you'll live a better life, so that things will go well for you. Again, we see that the the motivation sitting behind all these new behaviours is again completely self-absorbed. But with Jesus, with our focus on him, we have new motivations. Let me read again from our reading today in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here we see the writer of the Hebrews giving two Uh, a two-part motivation for living our new lives focused on Jesus. The first one he gives in verse 1 is the great cloud of witnesses or the community of faith that we'll talk about in a moment. And the second in verses 2 and 3, this uh, is the motivation of actually what the Lord Jesus himself has done for us. And so let's consider them in the order that they come, verse 1 and then verses 2 and 3. The the first part of the motivation is the community of faith, the great cloud of witnesses. Uh, If you've been coming to this church for a while, you might remember back in 2017 when we preached on the book of Hebrews. Uh, And if you can remember back that far or you want to get your notebook out when you go home from all those uh, notes that you took, you'll remember... Uh, that the book of Hebrews is written to uh, a church that is struggling to follow Jesus under the strain of persecution. That is, uh, they've they've started following Jesus and people don't like it. And because of the persecution, because people, they're finding themselves excluded from the community and uh, uh, life's getting a bit more difficult for them to be Christian, many of them are thinking about going back to being Jewish again. And the writer to the Hebrews is writing to them and he's encouraging them, don't do this. Don't go back to that old faith, to that old way of living. Because Jesus is the fulfilment of all that that old faith was pointing to. If you you may remember this line, if you remember nothing else, Jesus is the best, chuck out the rest. That's the message that the writer to the Hebrew comes to over and over and over again. Don't go back. Don't give up on Jesus, even though life is tough. And as he gets near the end of his letter, which is where we are in chapter 12, there's only one chapter to go. But right before chapter 12, we have chapter 11, obviously. Uh, And there, uh, the writer of the Hebrew lists a whole stack of heroes of the Jewish faith, like Rahab, who Graham uh, read the story uh, about from Judges. Uh, uh, Joshua, sorry. Was it Joshua? Yeah. Um, Uh, where we have uh, all these stories about how uh, people lived by faith in that old faith and it was a faith that looks forward to the coming of the Messiah. And the writer of the Hebrews says that all of these people who lived by faith in the Old Testament, that we read about in the Old Testament, all of them were willing to put their lives on the line for their faith and they were willing to do that when they didn't even see what God had done in Jesus Christ. They didn't even have a full knowledge of uh, the mystery that Paul talks about that has been revealed. Jesus Christ in the, coming in the flesh to die for our sins and to beat death by rising again. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, verses 37 to 40 of chapter 11, that these heroes of the faith, they were put to death by stoning, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the grounds. These, yet these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what has been promised since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the reality for many who who went before Christ. 
They lived by faith. They were persecuted for it. And yet they didn't even see the glory of what God was going to do in Jesus Christ. Only they had words of promise that he would do something. And so the writer of the Hebrews says to these Christians who are living post-Jesus, like you and me, he says to these Christians who are finding it hard to live their Christian life and wondering if it's all worth it, consider your historic faith community and use that as a motivation to continue. Because if they could, you can. If God helped them, he'll help you. Be inspired by them, learn from them, live like them. And I think the same is true today. That one of the great motivators for continuing in the Christian faith, even when it's tough, is to look at those who've gone before us and to see how they've lived lives of great faith and bravery, especially in the face of persecution, And how God has worked powerfully through them. And so I want to ask, who is it? Who is it from Christian history that inspires your faith and motivates you to continue to be faithful in Jesus today? I think there are two parts to this sort of historical motivation, if you will. The first is the personal stories. I don't know if you've seen that show on television, Hamish and Andy, True Stories. Quite funny. Uh, But it opens up uh, with this line that basically says stories. There are these great stories that have shaped the Australian culture. It's got pictures of, you know, the guys finding the giant golden nugget and all these sorts of things. And then it says, but the real great stories are the stories that are never told, that are only famous among a circle of friends. And we're here to tell these stories. And then they tell these ridiculously hilarious stories about things that have happened to people. But there are these personal stories, aren't they, in the Christian life. That is, there are people who have been extremely significant to you who are never going to have books written about them, who are never going to... Uh, become famous people that we talk about in church for year after year after year. But my gosh, hasn't they, God used them powerfully in your life? Parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, ministers, street preachers, I don't know who it is in your life who've been a great blessing for you and, and, and now continue to be a great motivator for you. Little Mrs. Smith gave up every Sunday morning to teach me the Bible and I treasure it and I'm going to continue in the faith because she continued in the faith. It's not the only motivation, but it can be a great help when things get tough. So there are those personal stories, aren't there? But there's also the historic stories. There are people who do get books written about them who the church does remember, uh, and who can be a great motivator. I wonder who they are for you personally. People like John Calvin, Martin Luther, who stand firm uh, on the word of God in the face of great persecution uh, from the Roman Catholic Church when it had gone very corrupt. Or people like William Wilberforce, who stand firm in the face of uh, a society that doesn't want to treat black slaves fairly. Many people throughout history who motivate us, who we can read about. And when things get tough for us or things are difficult, we can remember that God was with them and he'll be with us too. 
Who is it that motivates you? Maybe you don't know any famous Christians or you don't know many stories. I've got a bookshelf of biographies that I can lend to you. Do some reading. Fuel your motivation. Think about the people who've been meaningful to you in your life. For we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And of course, lest you thought this is just a historic thing, it actually is a thing that still happens each and every day. Back in chapter 10 of Hebrews, the writer says this in verses 24 and 25, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the writer of the Hebrews knows that actually to live the Christian life, not only do we need those heroes of the past uh, to motivate us, but actually we need one another in the community of faith in the here and now. You and I can motivate each other to keep going. When we get together in church, we're motivating one another to keep going, to think about the way we live, to encourage others to live with an eternal, eternal focus. And so, of course... I think that leaves us with this question, which is who will you motivate? Who are you motivating? Who are you motivating in the here and now so that you can be faithful to those words in chapter 10? But who are you motivating in the here and now that in 10, 20, 30, 40 years' time is going to say, oh, gee, I just love the way that my neighbour, my mum, my grandpa, my friend... I just love the way that they prayed for me all the time or that they, they were just so on fire for Jesus or they, they just always couldn't uh, but help other people or they were constantly in the scriptures or they, uh, they were generous with their finances or uh, they taught me how to be gracious or, or whatever it might be. Because it's you and me who are going to motivate the next generation. as we motivate one another. Well, we see in this first motivation, the community of faith, both past and present, that when we live our new life focused on Christ and not ourselves, our total, our total orientation changes. We live this new life and we do so for the good of others. See, when you choose to live your life not focused on yourself but on Christ, he gives you the great gift of Christian community. And it's a great gift, but it's also dangerous, isn't it? Because when you hitch yourself onto the the Jesus name, when you're part of the community of faith, you, you get tarnished by it and blessed by it. The way that you all live in, out there in the world ref, re, affects me and re, reflects on me. That's why it's so disappointing, isn't it, when we open the papers and we read about some minister who's done something stupid because now we've got to go round apologising to all our friends about why Christians aren't as stupid as the stupid minister in the paper was. The way that I live affects you. The way that you live affects me. That's what it is to live in community. We're all part of the one body. We're all the hands and feet of Jesus representing him to the world 
together. So let this community of faith be your motivation to keep your eyes focused on Christ. Well, the second motivation that the ride to the Hebrews lays out in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12 is the Lord Jesus himself, probably the primary motivator. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, having our focus right, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Our motivation, ultimately, to continue to live our lives as Christians, even when it's hard, is because Jesus was motivated to go to the cross and die for you. He was willing to face violent opposition from religious leaders of the day and from sinners for you, for me. Jesus, he loves you deeply and he showered his grace upon you and this is our primary motivation. The only reason, in fact, I think, that it makes any sense at all to not live the kind of me-centred life that our culture calls us to is the fact that what Jesus did is true. That God really does love you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to die so that you might live for him. To live with our lives focused on Christ requires a deep motivation to stay faithful to Jesus time and time again. Because the truth is, the truth is, and it's a hard yet beautiful truth, the truth is that if you do follow Jesus, if you've got your focus not on yourself but on him, then you are radically counter-cultural. See, it's a truth I think we all need to hear and it's one that's especially pertinent if you're still uh, new in the Christian faith. When you focus on Jesus and follow him instead of yourself and focusing on what you want, you actually come into conflict, don't you, with the world around you. Because when you live for Jesus, your whole view of the world changes and it becomes different to what everyone else who doesn't follow Jesus values and so that brings challenge and it brings conflict and sometimes that's going to be large and sometimes that's going to be small but it's only fair isn't it that when we consider a new life lived following Jesus that we remember that we're not talking about a comfortable life. It's not like you could have your New Year's resolutions of health and fitness and finances and friends and all the great things that you want to have a happy and comfortable life. Uh, And by the way, you can have Jesus and you can just put that over the top uh, and everything gets even better. When we're talking about living a life focused on Jesus... We're talking about living a radically counter-cultural life that will bring you into conflict with the culture that you are countering. 
Jesus is not inviting you and me as we live our lives focused on him into a comfortable life, a life that is just like all that we could have without Jesus, only better. He's inviting us not into the life of comfort, but into the life of blessing. And this is not blessing like um, I'm on Instagram, hashtag Ferrari, look at my Ferrari, hashtag I'm so blessed. Not, Not that kind of blessing. This is the blessed life that Jesus lived. The cruciform life. The life that the Hebrews were experiencing where people hated them because they were Christians. When you live your life focused on Jesus, when you're living like Jesus, it's going to be tough. You're a counter-cultural person and you'll face many trials and persecutions just as Jesus did just as the people in the book of Hebrews did and so when you choose to focus on Jesus you need a deep motivation to keep going when things get tough and that comes from the community of faith and from a deep relationship with the Lord himself If you're already a Christian here today, and I know most of you or all of you are, let's make this year the year that we commit to daily renewing our love for the Lord Jesus, knowing him personally through the scriptures, spending time in prayer with him, focusing on him each and every day, building our resilience, gathering together regularly to encourage one another, So that when the trials come, and they will come, we will have the motivation to continue to live our lives focused on Christ each and every moment of the rest of our lives. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.